1: Hey, welcome back to the heavy metal mayhem radio show we got a great one tonight man tino troy from praying mantis and josh christian from toxic tino's on the line right now we're going to connect them because you know it's getting late in the uk we don't want to keep him up uh past his bedtime tino how are you buddy
2: <laughs> yeah he's way past my bedtime already <laughs> what
1: what happened to the to the rock and roll lifestyle. Most of the time we were just getting up at this <laughs> it, time.
2: It, it still exists, you just gotta pace yourself a bit more these days. <laughs> <things.
1: laughs> yeah, it, it does get a little harder as you get older, but you would never know. Uh, especially by the new record legacy. I mean, you guys have pulled it out once again. A great job on the new album.
2: Thank you so much, Mike.
1: Uh, listen, I'm a fan. I go way back to the very early days. I, I remember buying that first record in my import store for more money than I could make. You deliver newspapers over a couple of weeks. And before I knew it, it was all over, it seemed, back then. But you guys had a good couple of year run, but it ended really before you even got
2: started in the early days. It did, yeah. It was, just, uh, it was sad times, really. I mean, it was just a whole, a whole mess up with, um, with the management sort of thing. And... Um, Basically, we just um, fell out with the management at, and it took a hiatus then, you know, never gained momentum again. They put an injunction on us working and we couldn't work anymore. And, um, and that was that, and we saw all our contemporaries, you know, sort of going off to do better things where we could have been there as well ourselves. But yeah. Well, That's you know, the way time, it,
1: it does. Well, Time Tell No Lies is a classic record, especially in the underground scene. People just like they put their record up on a pedestal. And I, I mean you talk about a band, I mean you're young kids are just starting out and you get signed to a major label. I think it was either Arista at the time or Jet, or I think Jet came after Arista. That wasn't an easy accomplishment for a band just starting out.
2: No, it wasn't. I mean, we had uh, we. I mean, we had some great contacts, and um, we had all the all the right um, ingredients for a great recipe there. And um, it just wasn't to be, you know. With, uh, at the time, I remember it was. I think it was Clive Davis who was with Arista at the time there, the head the head honcho there, and it was Van Halen came out with that first album of theirs, and they did the girl, uh, the, the song by the Kinks. Yeah. so we tried to do a similar thing with um with all day and all of the night which we carried off really well i mean it was a great great version but um they thought that was going to be the big american single and it never materialized you know so um that was the first downer <laughs> and um yeah the first single cheated we got to to number sixty seven, sixty nine in the uk charts and we had top of the Pop throwing us up saying uh, we just want to check the lyrics, make sure there's nothing untoward here. We'll get you on the show next week. You know, it looks like it's going to, the single's going to go up, but um, unfortunately went the other way. <laughs> <laughs> I where,
1: get that- where it goes, right? <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, no, no. I was just going to say, um, yeah, that was, uh, that was the second disappointment. And we're going, oh, no, God, come on, we've got to get this going again. And um tried and tried all with all our might but then things just started going wrong tried for a second album which did which never saw the light of day and um, a lot of the songs a lot of the songs from there ended up on um on an album called demorabilia which was um uh, just like a collection of all all our sort of demo stuff and experimental stuff and that did really well which was packaged really well in japan by pony canyon our record company and um it did quite well that that little album. But I mean a lot of it a lot of it was like done from four track demos and stuff. There's some was four track, some of eight track, some was more professional in the twenty-four track domain. But um yeah, so a lot of our ideas ended up on that little exercise.
1: Yeah. Well you guys also attempted i Surrender, I think, not long after that too. So and Rainbow had it going on not long after that also.
2: We did our third disappointment because that's what we thought. <laughs> uh I mean, we we got as far as the the whole the whole of the backing tracks. We um we actually recorded the whole of the backing track. Um, even did some backing vocals as well. And and then we get, Aimbo's management saying, "No, we're covering this track now. You can You must. You know, put an end to this." And we, I was to no, we'll fight them. We'll fight them. <laughs> we'll do this. And um, but we thought, we're well, uh, just fooling ourselves, you know. We're competing with the big boys here, and um at the time, so we let it go. Oh, I yeah. mean, was, there was talk actually, even a couple of years ago, because we always felt cheated by that. Hence the song <laughs> "Cheated" came out as well. <laughs> <Yeah.
1: laughs> well, you know, um, I mean, I'm oh, sorry, Tino, go ahead.
2: <clears throat> no, no, just, just going to say that's why um, we, we released "Cheated" to the single, but um yeah, we, and we thought well just just a year ago we were talking about or two years ago we were just talking about maybe featuring it on this on this latest album Surrender they do, doing a rehash of it but um we decide to go the other way again on that one. <laughs> uh,
1: I was gonna, because earlier you were saying, you know, a lot of the problems that happened early on were because of management issues. And I mean, I hear that so often. And you hear about so many bands that break up because they just don't have the support system, whether it's management from the record label. And that has to be a killer. It must hurt because you, like, you know, you had the talent, the music was there. I mean, everything was there. And then just like the outside forces kind of converging on the band, just just it just is beyond trying to keep it together.
2: I uh, know it wasn't, it wasn't our time. It wasn't our time. And I mean, the, the the thing that hacked us off the most was the, um, our management came from a splinter between two, two, two guys. One of them was the, one of them became the Iron Maiden manager, Rod Smallwood and our, and our guy was a partner of his when they both, um, part, um, managed, um, Steve Harley from Cockney rebel. And, um, Rod Smallwood, you know, I'm afraid to say, had all the balls and the brains and he had the vision. And uh, and our guy didn't have that at all. And we got fobbed off with the... <laughs> with a runt of the litter, as it were. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, uh, it happened then. But, you know, there's, t- there's times we... I mean, we're, we're out on tour with Ireland. I mean, but in the early days, we're just like... We're actually blowing them off stage. We're, you know, doing so well. And um, to the extent they they stole our sound engineer who was their sound engineer up until last year, two years ago, I believe. <laughs> All right. There uh, you go. <laughs> and, there, and there's another story here. The, um, uh, there's um, Dave Potts, our original drummer. Was on, when we were on tour with him, they actually offered him the gig with Iron Maiden at the end of the tour. And you know what he said? He says, no, I'm not going to join you guys. you know why? Because I think mantis are going to be bigger than you. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Anybody
0: uh, that? <laughs> yeah.
1: Hey, well, look, you guys had everything that you needed. I mean, to make it happen. It's just like you said, it wasn't your time and place back then. And and, and I think back like how you always kind of got lumped in with the new wave of British heavy metal. But I never considered Prey Mantis a heavy metal band. I thought you guys were just a great rock band. And did that kind of like bother you that you were kind of associated with that whole scene? Or was it something that really actually benefited you guys? Because I don't think you really were a part of that.
2: No, yeah, yeah. I mean, you're right there, Mike. Um, we weren't really part for um, and we were lucky to give, be given the break and when we just fell about in that in that particular frame, in that particular mold at the time. And it was the days when um the new wave British heavy metal sprung free. And we had this demo tape that we took along to to Neil Kay at his um heavy metal sound house in Kingsbury and he's you know, within a couple of weeks, we had all three tracks in in the charts there, and they were featured in that magazine Sounds, and that you know we became a bit of a household name in the in the new wave of British heavy metal territory there. But I mean, I must admit, the songs then probably did have a bit more of a rocky influence. I think this sort of took more of a melodic sort of AOR field after that. You know, after that initial those initial songs. So I think we catapulted ourselves in into that into that mold by just having those three songs which weren't particularly apart from the lovers to the grave the 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 ballad that was the only one that had the sort of real sort of melodic feel about it but then again yeah. i was sort of just thinking about them sort, sort of thinking to myself i'm talking because they were all quite melodic. <laughs> <laughs>
1: But they were such great <laughs> albums, such great so, – I mean, one thing about Pray Mantis, I think you're responsible for putting more Lee Singers on the doll than any other band in the history of yeah. music. <laughs> You've gone
3: through a Tell lot of singers.
1: About it. <laughs> but didn't you actually Tell sing with the it. band in the very beginning and I think a little bit in the 90s?
2: <laughs> uh, it's, it's amazing. We just – um you know, I, th- I think it was, again, us. You know, we weren't really putting our – you know, foot on the gas, you know, and really going for it. It was just like with one album, and then we'd have a bit of hiatus. Then it'd be another album, and you know, the singers either got fed up with us, or we got fed up with them, and it was like a bit yeah. of a two-way thing, really. Uh, I think we've probably been through the singers as Spinal Tap, been through <laughs> <many laughs> drummers, <laughs> but it's um, it's great. Funny enough, a friend of mine, um, Tom Tom Jackson, who's one of the singers in the band, the original Anders. Um, the second ever singing in the band, um, apart from us singing collectively. He he said to me about a year ago, he phoned me, I said, know, I've just got this great idea. And I said, What's that, Tommy? He goes, Why don't you have a gig and just like invite all your singers? <laughs> <laughs> and we we'll do a gig and they'll come and if we'll he just, just have them sing on because he says, You've got enough singers on there to do a whole gig, you <laughs> know, <laughs> One singing each song, you know. Yeah, <laughs> that's a, that is a great idea. <laughs> yeah,
1: there's a lot of it. I mean, you know, I mean, Just Doogie white was want, singing with you guys. As long as they, they don't want
2: paying. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's all that matters. Well, look, I mean, you and your brother have had this thing going since the beginning. You guys have been the mainstays of the band, you know, and, and even Dennis Stratton was in the band for quite a long time when he when you reunited like in 1990. He played with you that's guys for right, quite man. a bit of time.
2: Yeah, well, Dennis was with but with us uh, till yeah, it was it would have been i reckon 15 years or so 14 15 years um and then yeah yeah things just didn't work out but then he he started doing other stuff as well and um, because i'd been working with with andy in another band um we got we got quite in, in the guitar element of of stuff you know like harmony guitars and things we were writing a lot together and um and we were we lived close to each other as well so the geography was good for us and you know we know i mean we never fell out with dennis um it was just um we just went our separate ways in the end really
1: yeah you know a lot of people think that you know when praying broke up that it kind of morphed into stratus but stratus was a completely different band even though it had you and bernie uh, bernie Sher was on vocals back then and your brother chris and clive on drums i know you had somebody on keyboards i don't remember who uh, but that wasn't yeah. anything from Praying Mantis, that was something completely different.
2: No, first of all, R.A.P. Clive, we miss you lots. Um, and yeah, that was totally different. It was, um, we just said, Well, we we'll would just go off into the whole AOR thing, you know, which was happening in the states, and we tried to jump on that bandwagon, but again, that wasn't to be. Um, Alan Nelson, by the way, was the keyboard player that outside. was it, Alan, yeah, yeah, and um. Yeah, that, that wasn't a bad album, but, um, you know, some good songs on there. Um, production suffered a little bit, but um, I think it was, a, it, was, it was a good enough album, but really not. We weren't doing it naturally. We were just, um, you know, just forcing, it, forcing the issue, really, I think. <laughs>
1: Why was it so important for bands to always want to make it here in America? I mean, when you look now at the music scene, it seems like everything is over in Europe. I mean of South America, even China and Japan, those are the big markets for rock today and, and heavy metal. But back in the days, like every band wanted to break in. I thought so we were such a trendy country that you know what was popular on Monday by Wednesday was already out the door.
2: Yeah, true, well, but uh, then you look at um, bands like Def Leppard, you know, and you think, wow. <laughs> I mean, they started off, I mean, Def Leppard were a new wave of British heavy metal. They started at yeah. the same time as us, you know, and they just, like, decided to change, change the frequency a little bit, and um, there you go, big hit, you know, got the right producer on board, and next thing you know, wow. And I mean, I mean our producer, I mean, Tim Screen green he's from that same school, you know, from the Langer School, you know, the, and so, um, you know, we thought we had a bit of a formula there, but again, it's all in the songs, it's all in the timing, and I suppose. Yeah. And okay. um, yeah, one thing as well. I remember meeting the great Peter Mensch once as well f- from Liber Krebs, and um, he he said to me once. A, I think it was after the Iron Maiden party when they played the Rainbow. He said to me, we met in the bar afterwards, and he said to me you guys are effing great, you know? He said, um, but all you lack lacking is a singer, a front man. You get yourself a front man and I'll sign you, <laughs> you know? And we think, <laughs> and we we were, we were just cocky in those days. We thought, we don't need a singer, you know? <laughs> but, you know, whereas this look back, I just hear those words just echoing in, in my head all the time, we going, why didn't we bloody listen? You know, it's just, oh, um, uh, well you know, <laughs> you win some, you lose some. <laughs>
1: that's right. Hey, do you think it's more luck than talent when it comes to making it? Because you've seen so many bands out of, I'm not even talking about like, you know, these pop bands where they have people writing songs for them, that's their whole job. I'm talking about real serious rock bands. I mean, you can have the talent, the musicianship, it doesn't matter. Is it more luck than your talent? Is it just the right place at the right time or making that one right contact that could really make it all happen for you?
2: I think it's being in the right place at the right time, but with the right product i mean that'll make all the difference you know it's just a i think all all these elements have got to combine really i don't think you can have one without the other um you know luck luck certainly plays a big part in it but you've got to have the the material there to to back it up basically
1: yeah well i says you know you and your brother have had this thing going you know since day one what's it like playing with your brother in a band all the time i mean the there little sibling rivalries where you guys can butt heads over everything or you're just so tight that you kind of agree on everything all the time Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no we obviously we've been doing it long enough for now. for now so we can do it with our eyes closed we don't I and mean, we just like feel each other's playing basically it's a. Uh, it's yeah. second nature, but um, yeah, we have disagreements. We, I mean, like now nah, that shouldn't go like that. Or you like get temperamental about a sort of certain part you can't get right, and you know, it's like we just freak out at each other sometimes. But it happens, and we do so often. I mean, when we go, with the sparks fly, you know, all the other guys leave the room and let us get on with it. You always go think that you're going to win or be apart. better
1: than him because you're a guitar player and he's a bass player
2: that's right yeah <laughs> well, I, t- I taught him how to play bass
1: <laughs> bass plays no, no. never get any respect and they're the backbones of every band
2: exactly yeah no that's what i said i mean it when chris when i got chris into the band i thought i first formed the band at college in 1973 with a guy called pete moore who i'm seeing next year he emigrated to new zealand but he's coming over in 2016 we're going to get together for a joke again you never know and yeah. um our old drummers coming to the album launch as well next week. Oh boy. <laughs> it could be a bit of a reunion next year. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, that's great. That'd be a laugh. But um, yeah, when I formed the band with Peter, and then, well, I mean, we just got off playing State of tunes all the time, and you know, bunking off college and just locking ourselves away in the bedroom. Then I, I had, I'd made this guitar in my last my last year at high school. I made I made the six string electric guitar this project thing. And um by the time we got to college, I decided I'm gonna turn this into a bass for Chris, get Chris in the band, because Chris didn't actually know what bass guitar was. He started off playing um Spanish classical guitar, did did a few lessons when he was younger, when he was about eleven and twelve. And then and then, you know, the family had come around at Easter and Christmas time and he'd play them these little concertos and everyone used to clap and i'd get jealous so they'd give money and stuff like that <laughs> and i go right i can't have any of this <laughs> so i built my first guitar locked myself away in the bedroom for 10 hours a day sometimes and just practice and practice and practice you know i mean within three years i was quite accomplished quite an accomplished player and and it all stemmed from there and then chris joined the band um, and we've he wrote this first little tune that was uh, had this little riff, this little bass riff, and I said, "That's really good. that let's do some. Let's work something around that." And it was going to be called Nightchild, which is one of the songs that has never seen the light of day. But um, you never know, Night Child might still make a, <laughs> a bit, make a bit of an airing in the future.
1: Oh, there you go. That would be great. Well, you know, you you did put, when I look at it, I mean, there was only maybe a five or six year gap from the time the band had originally broken up the first time until you kind of reunited around 1990. So it wasn't like that big of a gap in between. I mean, it probably feels like it, but it wasn't that many years. And I'm thinking 1990, not, not a lot happening in 1990 musically. I mean, it was kind of like a, a downtime for, for rock music together then.
2: Yeah. We, we put it back together by default. Really. It was, um, uh, I was approached by dennis stratton in fact um <clears throat> who said um, there's a little bit of a project going i mean i don't know if you're interested you're playing mantis boys and as chris and me and dennis stratton uh he said to us um paul diano wanted to do do some shows with i think it was battle zone at the time his band and he went across to the I see you're a big cheese as well you 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 call the big cheese aren't you grand <laughs> fromage
3: le grand fromage,
2: <laughs> le grand fromage. <laughs> well the big cheese the big cheese in um japan le grand fromage in japan was masaito big big rock dj out there and he said to Paul he said well I won't bring you out here as Battleson but if you bring these guys together and form like a bit of a supergroup, a hybrid thing, you know, and it became Dennis, um, Paul Diano, Dennis Stratton, and Ma- with Praying Mantis, and um, we did half a half a Maiden set and half a Praying Mantis set. Well, we did first first we did half a Praying Mantis set, and then Paul Diano came on, and and uh, we did the half of a Maiden set, which was really well. Did really well and we did the live album out of it live at last and that's what gave us the impetus to to go in and do another studio album the pony canyon the record company who released live at last wanted to do a studio album and we carried on with dennis but um, paul diano um left to carry on with battle and then form killers and and carry on with his projects but um yeah great time and it gave us it gave us that lift off again and and here we are to the, still today doing the same thing
1: (laughs) you had a great runner after that because you did put out i mean every couple of years there was a new record out and you know it got the name of the band out there and then i think it was around i want to say 2003 or four we didn't hear anything again anymore for for a while
2: no that's right and um again it was singer you know, singer problems and,
1: <laughs> Damn singers. and then we got
2: yeah, then we got Mike into the band after, you know, like looking for someone. I mean we more or less like took our foot off the of gas to this certain extent. Oh, you know, is it worth pursuing this anymore? We're sort of just getting it's get to to a certain stage and then there's mediocrity it doesn't sort of go any any further than that and you get a bit fed up and despondent but it, it never leaves you you still got that that drive in you and you're going no nope, let's do it again you know and so yeah we carried on then we got um mike mike freeland in the band and great singer um lovely guy but never a real front man he didn't have the he didn't have the what? How do I say it as a singer? Just the, the spunk to grab the audience and just yeah, um, ah, yeah. This is what you can listen to me. This is what it's all about, you know. And um, that that wasn't there in here, and that fire wasn't there. And we, I mean, no matter how much we tried, we tried, you know, we even tried to rehearse shows and say say this, say that. You know? <laughs> it didn't work. Yeah, it didn't work. It wasn't natural, and you know, in the end, we. We did this gig in in Holland, the very, the very Heavy festival up in the North Holland. And um, and then we saw these two guys uh, playing in the Harris band. Yeah, the Iron Maiden tribute, it was a Harris. Cause they do two, they do the Paris, which is a Thin Lizzy tribute and the Harris, um, which is the, the Iron Maiden tribute. And Dennis, Dennis um, got up and guested with them. But this guy's voice and the guy's drumming are brilliant, so we thought we'll have those when we get back, <laughs> yeah and and lo and behold, yep, they they went for it, and this is the new band now. so, and a great new album with it as well. Uh, just like it's chalk and cheese, really.
1: It really is. Uh, John is singing now. John is fronting the band right now these days
2: yeah is a fantastic singer yeah.
1: does a great job on there it, it's definitely hard being a front i mean cause like I said you have to be more than a singer you have to be a front man you are the center of attention up on stage and you have to project that and you know it has to be difficult especially when there are people behind i mean listen the guys stepping into the shoes of people like bernie shaw paul diano there's a lot of people that played in the band so you know it's kind of he has to kind of capture an entire legacy of the band you know vocally and also That's kind of right. like you know be himself too on top of that it's not easy
2: it's not easy, no. As you say, you, as, you know, have having your own identity yet trying to make those old songs, that legacy, you know, make those old songs sound to to, to a similar state, but not exactly the same. You know what I mean? It's um, yeah, put, putting your own putting your own stamp on it. And he's done. I mean, he's done that brilliantly. I think you know. and It's. I mean, I can't think of what the what they sounded like without his voice on them. Now it's just they've done, done such a great job.
1: Well, that that's really good then if you're saying that about the songs you wrote that's that's pretty good
2: yeah no it's brilliant i mean i can't you know i can't fault it um and like i said like i said he's got that fire in your you know with the audience he's got that r- rapport and he can ad-lib as well you know if, if something goes wrong he can pick the mic up and just like take control of the situation I mean, you've got to be a bit, you've got to be an asshole to be a singer, really.
1: (laughs) Well, most of them usually are anyway, so.
2: (laughs) including your fellow musicians.
1: (laughs) Uh, Did you you ever find yourself over the years with different singers in the band kind of having to change around songs to suit them maybe more than you wanted to?
2: Yeah, yeah, there there, there was a bit of that. Um, And... Yeah, we'd have you know changed the pitch of songs as well, which we didn't like to do because it to- totally changes the whole flavor of the song. Then and, and you do notice a difference. So we've even tried detuning as well and stuff like that. But it doesn't—it just doesn't sound the same. It's not—it's not Mantis anymore. Yeah, yeah. It's, it, it's a difficult one, and you know that's why we just got so frustrated with the whole singer thing because it was it was the thing that was holding us back all the time. I mean, hopefully now, and hopefully, I just keep our fingers crossed, you know, this is lineup, and the great thing about it as well is JC has put his own stamp, he's written songs on there, you know, he's actually, he's written lyrics, which, you know, when you're singing something and it's personal to you, you can put it out there that much stronger than having it, you know, if someone else writes a song, and you and you give it to the singer to sing he's not really out there with it you know he's it's not part of him you know what i'm saying
1: absolutely it makes yeah. us feel like it's part of a part of what you're doing a part yeah. of what so, you're creating
2: you know, so we, i mean you know with all our songs I've, we've said to him this is this is what the song is about you know we the subject and just like imagine this and you sort of write it like a story almost and and he can identify with it a lot more and and he said that this is he said that's the thing i love about this band cuz you're so into what you're doing and it's got to be perfect but i mean i say you know it's just like years it's just years of playing together it's just years of being in the music business and dealing with so many different musicians in our lives and it's just the experience it's like any job you know you've been there for a long time you've got that experience absolutely
1: you know i'm gonna let you go in two minutes because i have another guest coming up soon and i want to get a musical no off the new record some old stuff i want to get some stratus uh but i can't thank you enough record legacy it's out of frontier records you have anything coming up like you know immediately that you want to let people know about
2: yeah we're like i said the um the album's out now you can um we're we're, we're doing some dates um, in europe um in october and then we're off to japan in at the first we're playing there on the third of november and um hopefully we can come out to the states i hear this sort of heavy metal movements making up uh, making some ground out there again now so um they'd be brilliant if we can sort of make it out there in the new year come see you guys um love it because i mean america's the one place we haven't played we need it so everybody,
1: happens. buy that album. It's a freaking <laughs> great album. <laughs> it really is. I'm gonna get a couple of tunes off for right now, but you know, thank you very much. Go to bed. I know it's getting late.
2: <laughs> nah, no no, I'm, I'm I'm firing on all cylinders now. I'm there you go. To, <laughs> I'm <getting> all night, <laughs> Mike. It's been lovely talking to you too, and um and uh, just wish a great, you know, hello from all of to all our fans from Pray Mantis out there, and hope to see you soon.
1: Uh, tino it's my pleasure man big fan i always will be you take care now
2: thank you mike all the best bye-bye
1: take care tino troy from praying mantis love those guys let's get us something off the brand new record we'll do something old and then later on in the show we'll get us some stratus for everybody off the brand new record legacy has the one
0: Prepared to, to fight. I know that I did too. It took a lot. Long-
1: Alright, pray mantis with captured city. I figure something new, something old, and maybe something blue in between. We'll save that for later. Uh, you know what? I, I saw this number connected to me over here and I, I didn't even recognize it. it's been so long, but uh I do believe it's your uh, co host Tommy on the line here today. Yes it is. How you doing? I didn't even recognize that phone number, it's been so long. I had to double check in my phone book to make sure it was really you.
4: Oh, okay. It's
1: been quite some time.
4: Yeah. It happens, you know. Like it, it, it's, it's t- <laughs> I was it's telling rough. the guys in the I was telling the guys in the chat room, you know, it, it it's a rough job being a part time co host. Well yeah,
1: we're gonna have to change that to part time part time co host.
4: Right, right. Like, well <laughs> special guest part time co host. <laughs> I don't know.
1: It's like we used to joke around move, with our move, friend Ryan.
4: You know, only only in only in months
1: that end in 28 days. Or like that. I don't know. <laughs> it's like uh, we used to tell our friend well, Ryan Harmon. He had he used to have his uh, radio show. He used to have his weekly radio show that he did twice on. a year. Yeah, the weekly radio show.
4: The, the weekly radio show was only on like two and times Alex, a year. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. Alex. Right, right. Yeah, so
1: that's what it's like. But it's good to have you back on here again today. Uh, it was pretty cool talking Great to Tino for Pray Mantis. I love when we get to talk to that these guys Mike, from classic bands. Yeah. Band. Mike, yeah. yeah. I, and I know even better, it actually worked because I, I have nothing but connected it.
4: It's clear. It's yeah, nice they, and crystal clear on the phone and on the computer. I saw, When I saw you already started the interview, I shut the phone down. I listened to it on my laptop, and it's nice yeah. and clear, loud. Well, Last week, you, you were it a little is, like, uh, like a little distant. I don't know. Uh, you sounded like you were a little distant. I don't know what it, what it was. I don't the know. The interviews were good, but your voice was kind
1: of, well. I oh, maybe I had know, the mic too far see, away from uh, my mouth.
4: That's a possibility.
1: Yeah, I usually think it's very close to being on my mouth. last
4: have last had problems uh, the last couple of weeks.
1: There's always a problem. You know, you know what it is? You, they have this new Direct Connect thing, so you don't use the telephone the no more like when we first started doing the show. And then I used to use right. Skype to connect with Skype directly through the computer because that was a little better sound. And now they have this direct connect. So you can't use Skype anymore. You can't use the phone. You have to right. connect directly through like their system. And, you know, I, oh. I, I, I test it before I go on. And the test always works. You, have it, you hear the volume, your voice. Then the show starts. Yeah. And halfway through the first song, all the volume cuts out of my headset. I don't hear anything anymore. So now by the time I scramble to figure out what the hell the problem is, and if you start changing settings around, then you lose everything altogether. And I don't know if you can't hear me until somebody in the chat room says, I can't hear you. By the time they realize it, sometimes I'm I'm already halfway
4: halfway through. Yeah, thank God for our chat room, fellas,
1: you know. Absolutely. So then I got to go to Skype, connect that. I call into the show like you do on the guest line, and then I have to mute yeah. the other microphone, which I can't come out of. It's like this big freaking headache. And it, it seems like every time we have a guest calling from Europe and I have to connect them with Skype, that's the problem. But Block Talk Radio now has a link. I send a link out to somebody through their email and they connect directly through the computer with the headset. No more Skype, no more telephone. And when they do it like, like oh. Tino did tonight, it works great and it sounds great. But unfortunately, right. we have some guests that aren't computer literate and you send them the link like, you know, what do I do? Like, well, it tells you right there, plug in your headset and hit click. That's all there is to it, but they just don't get well, it. But a USB,
4: it... USB headset. Maybe people don't have USB headsets.
1: Well, you can actually use it like with the computer mic and, you know, and listen like that. But the problem is, is oh, that you're going to oh, get okay. that echo. You're going to get the echo because the show right. is broadcasting as you're listening to it. So that's the problem. Correct. Yeah, yeah. But if you have a Mac you can do it with an night with like with an apple computer They have a separate system so you can do that and it works fine But that is like you're tonight you're coming through like an analog because you're on the phone If you use that direct link right. you're coming th- in stereo like I do and it sounds a hell of a lot better on the playback So I mean, oh, okay. you know, it's a, it's a work in progress like you know, they're, they're still trying to you know, work all the well, kinks out. If I can fun. get two
4: weeks in a row, and then we'll think about. Yeah, let's
1: let's, let's tackle no, one problem at a <laughs> time. You're right. <laughs> well, hey, well look, let me see what's going on here in the news today. Uh Oh, something I know you're going to be disappointed about. Nicky Six says that he won't play any Motley Crue songs with another band, and I know that's going to kill you mm, because well. you're such a big Motley Crue fan, and I know it's going to break your heart. I'm but
4: you, yeah.
1: Uh, yeah. And,
4: and I wouldn't even go to a six a.m. show, so there you go. Oh. Unless I that, I'm okay I hate for that them, band. I wouldn't want. <laughs> so
1: exotic, I do. I do hate right. that. It's six a.m. I hate that shit.
4: It really is a fucking like just a pop band. I just don't get yeah,
1: it. I know. I, I don't, don't get it either. But pop. He won't play that, but I guarantee you that Vince Neil will uh, definitely play everything from the Motley Crue catalog oh, when he performs live. I, and now, like I, they I were retiring. A fucking
4: week in uh, Las Vegas.
1: Yeah. yeah, well, they, they, he they say that they're retiring. This is it now. Vincent says, "Well, we're not retiring. We're just retiring from playing live." And I get that because Mick no, Mars no. is in bad shape. The guy has a lot of you know medical issues, yeah. like with his bones and stuff. I get that. It must be torturous yeah. to be up on stage all the time like that and traveling around in buses with his spinal condition. And I get that.
3: that.
1: Have that face on top of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so I get, that's probably difficult. Years, I think they're going to record know, more I'm music. No, no. Hey, look, we've all got medical shit that we don't hurt, so you can only imagine what that feels like. And he really is like the only like guy oh, in the bin that seems genuine that doesn't seem like the rest of them. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So who yeah, knows? We'll see what happens guy. with that. And then today they were talking about uh George Lynch is in negotiations once again with Dokken, uh, That's to reunite that, that. that, that classic yeah. lineup. And I don't know. Is there such a big demand for Docking that people are dying for this to happen? I, I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but... <laughs> I mean, were they they everything more than a club band back in the day, like a big club band?
4: Well, they can open up for the new Guns N' Roses.
1: That's right. (laughs) Uh, I mean, Doc, Doc, I ruined ruined,
4: ruined your next. I ruined your next. um, No, 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 you didn't because
1: I wasn't even going to mention that. But go (laughs) ahead. Go on with the Guns N' Roses. Now they're
4: talking. They're they're friends now.
1: Uh, I I saw a clip of that, but I thought it was just one of those joke sites.
4: I thought it was an onion, too. Yeah, yeah. so far, I saw it like two or three times. One of it was on Blabbermouth, Mouth, but that that you know that could mean anything, you know. Yep. But um, yeah. So and 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 Mustaine would not play with Megadeth even if he was asked.
1: Oh, with Metallica. <laughs> yeah, that I saw.
4: That I saw. <laughs> what did I say? I said Megadeth. Megadeth. I mean, yeah, but so. I know
1: what you meant. Everybody know what you meant. He would not yeah. play with
4: Metallica <laughs> even if he was asked.
1: Let me tell you something. He would run back to uh, Metallic in a heartbeat if they asked him to come back, but I, I don't course, see Kirk going anywhere. <laughs> but you know what? It, it would nah, be cool if he, if they, if they brought him out if they went out and tour together and he got it then played yeah. some of the old songs. That would be exactly. pretty cool to see that, you know? They play on the
3: old songs. Be and nice. then they could that do like they did
1: with uh, with uh with Michael Jackson Two Tupac where they did the computer, you know, that the computer image of them on stage performing, even though <laughs> they're dead. could do that with they could do that with, Cliff. They could do that with yeah. Cliff Burton and get Cliff Burton back there too. See? Yeah, I may bring Lloyd Grant back uh, into regular, the band.
4: Next. I like the idea with the uh, the praying mantis have all the singers come out. You know. Yeah, somebody, somebody <laughs> that that pretty that's pretty cool. Absolutely. A great, like he was saying, sort of like, uh, is sort of like um, uh, Spinal Tap, but him with yeah. the singers. You know, instead of the drums. Yeah.
1: That's what it'd be like, and but then they
4: didn't uh, die. <laughs> they didn't. die. that's true. Uh, combust.
1: <laughs> true. And, and uh, uh, I know Dennis you...
4: Stratton played with a uh, version of them.
1: Later oh, on. yeah. For like t- like almost 15 years uh, from 90 until they broke up. Oh, it, wow. Well, not broke oh, up, wow. but like 2003, three, four, when they stopped playing again. Uh, it was a good 13 to 14. It was actually him that just, you know helped put the band back together again. Oh, okay. Yeah, he had a good cool. head. A, a cool. long... I think he was in the band longer than anybody else besides uh, Tino and his brother Chris, who started the band. He had more time in the group than oh, any other member. That yeah, go figure, right? Cool, cool. And uh, I know you weren't here uh, last we're- week or the 19 weeks before that, uh, but we were, talking about, no. Uh, no, we were talking about Rat last week a little bit. Uh, Juan Crochet, the you know, the original oh, really? bass player, he has his thing now. Juan Croce is Rat. Uh, the drummer, Bobby oh. Blotzer, who owns the name, I guess, in the band, he has the Bobby Blotzer Rat experience. Stephen Pierce is out there as the voice of Rat. And then I think you have the rest oh. of the guys that were in the band, Warren D. Martini and the rest of them, who are actually still Rat. As far as I know, so you got four different versions, uh, three, three, four different versions playing out there. And now they're all fighting with each other over who owns the right of the name. Uh, it's not right to play with this. And so I'm like, none of you guys are the original oh, Rat. If yeah. anything, I would rather hear Stephen Piercy's version only because he was the voice of Rat. And the songs are going to sound like yeah, Rat, at least for yeah. him singing it. But I'm like, you guys are fighting yeah. over a band that nobody even cares about anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. who cares at this point in time? i Just-
4: open for Twisted Sister, right? He wasn't nothing special.
1: No, not at Daniel all.
4: When he for no, sister.
1: he kind of lost I his heard voice. That, that a know. lot of
4: his vocals were on were on tape that day and that show, anyways.
1: That's what people are saying. Absolutely. I mean, there are a couple yeah. of live clips that you can see are like really live with him, and he has kind of lost his yeah. voice. He can't really do it anymore outside of the studio. Yeah. I want to say, but it could have just been no, a bad show.
4: Not. I mean, those those things were recorded when they were like you know nineteen twenty twenty two. Yeah, and now he's like fifty. You know.
1: They have to play these songs on a commercial for like, not to do drugs. Like, you know, on, on, a, on one of those, like, you know, uh, drug commercials. You know, this is your brain on drugs. This is your voice. <laughs> this is your voice, like, all those years of drugs. Because it ravaged. I mean, some guys, men's come out of it okay. Uh, but some guys, yeah. they just ravaged them, you know. And uh, he, he's one of those guys that it took a toll on.
4: Definitely,
1: I mean, definitely. It, it is what it is. Next thing you know, you're going to hear... Who, I forgot who was in the band last. Uh, I think Carlos Cavazzo was playing a rat uh, in the last lineup as a second exactly. guitar player. Next, yeah, you're yeah. going to have Carlos Cavazos' uh, rat. And he's going go to be performing rat songs. I mean, he wasn't even a member of the band, really, until the end. I mean, it's just crazy. But this is you know, what well, it's come down to. I heard
4: that Cavazo is not, is not welcomed uh, back in Quiet
1: Riot. I, I read that clip, too. That... uh. Somewhere. Uh, yeah. I guess uh what do you call it uh, I think Frankie Benalli was telling the story I guess on uh, Eddie Trunk's show or something Uh that yeah, uh okay, Kevin Dubrow one. and him just whatever happened they didn't get along and he refused to have him back in the band and Rudy didn't want to join because wow. he wouldn't be a part of it and well, you know, talking to Rudy Sazo, um, well, I'm getting off track here a minute, but uh, remember, next week is the last show of August. You know, we're closing in August. Our good friend Steve Gaines from Anger Resort is uh, going to join us live. They got a brand new record coming out, and the band's heading back to New York in November. Actually, I think New Jersey, they're playing at okay. Thing Bats. Uh, So uh, we have him on here next week, and uh, I can't remember what else we have on the show <laughs> next week. Oh, we got the guys from Eon Britain coming on the show. They broke up a long time ago, but they're trying to put it back together. <laughs> Uh, we're going to talk to them, but the week after that is our seventh year anniversary show, and live in the studio, or at least over the phone, we have Max Cavalera from uh, Soulfly and Cavalera Conspiracy and Sepultura back in the day, and Rudy Sarzo. Yeah. So we got a great seven-year anniversary show coming up in two weeks.
4: Yeah, and it'll be the seventh show I'm on. <laughs> that's right. So
1: it's a that double a celebration.
4: One, a year. <laughs> one a year, right? I know. Well, you what got a, a you So <laughs> we got a great way to
1: celebrate. And you know what? We'll have to ask Rudy Sarzo about that whole Carlos Cavazzo story uh, when he calls in. Yeah, yeah,
4: that would be interesting. Yeah. One
1: yeah. thing about Rudy: Rudy has like that. I, I don't know if you watch Big Bang Theory. Sheldon has that identity whatever you call it, idemnic memory where he can remember remembers everything. Rudy Sarzo yeah, is the same way. Guy. When you say wow. something, was, I remember Rudy back in 1983, did it, he'll tell you about that show. He can, He has what a, he remembers everything that he did, like, you know, in, the, in 30 years ago, shows he played. When I say, I remember meeting you at LeMoyne, he goes, oh, I remember you guys outside. He'll tell you the stuff that happened that day. It's just incredible. Oh, oh, you what know, a memory he has.
4: It, what's her name has that, um, but she's like really spooky about it. Um,
1: oh, that actress, uh, Patricia
3: Arquette. Cat,
4: yeah, Taxi. No, no, oh mary lou, Hanna, mary lou henna mary lou
3: Hanna.
4: mary lou Hanna. i remember she, howard had her on howard stern had her on about uh, maybe five years ago and she was recalling the very first time he called her when he was on k-rock and she knows exactly what she was doing at the time she was getting this ready for her kids or something like that and she recalled some things that Howard didn't even, you know, didn't even remember of the conversation. You know, yeah, and that's uh, incredible. Yeah, she's got like that real, yeah, like that photograph. And I guess, I guess uh, Rudy has that too. I mean, he, you know, I mean, he wrote a book. All right, but I oh, would yeah. like to see a real book come out of it. You know what I mean? Tell My us book. all the down and dirty shit.
1: We'll have to mention he's that about 80.
4: eighty. He'll probably come out with that book.
1: Well, when we had him on the last time, we were talking about the book. It was when the book came out. He said that Sharon Osbourne yeah. had given everybody in the band, like you know, these diaries, uh, to record, like you know, the whole year and the you know the whole tour and everything. And that's where he wrote a lot of that stuff down in there. I guess you, I, you know she's probably oh, wow. regretting it now after that book came out because he gave up a lot of shit. But yeah. you know he probably does. Yeah, I mean, yeah. look at I mean, you know, Ozzy. I mean, quite Riot. I mean, even you know, you got to remember he was in quite Riot in the early days before you know Ozzy when right. when Randy Rhodes was still in the band. You know, even though he didn't record I mean, with them, even right. though he's on the album, but you know, and then the, the years were quite right when they were like the really the biggest band <laughs> in the world for two years. I mean, Dio, White Snake. Yeah. This guy's gotta have some stories to tell. And we're gonna try to squeeze what we can out of him in a thirty minute segment in a couple of weeks. Yeah, that should be fun. Man. All right, let's get on a couple of tunes, because Josh Christian from Toxic will be calling in in about 15 minutes. So let's get on a couple of songs here. Our good friend Joe Hasselvander from Raven, the band's out on tour. They're going be to become the Brooklyn real soon. He's got another band going on right now called Armageddon, which I didn't even know about. You know, I, I didn't even hear about wow. this one. It kind of flew under the radar. Uh, so let's get on a song off that brand new record that features Joe Hasselvander on drums. And uh, I also got the new Iron Maiden record the other day. So if you want, we could play something off the new Iron Maiden, too, even though we played another song last week that's been out there for a while. This is something that hasn't been played yet. We can try that too. Good
4: idea. Good idea. All right. Cool.
1: Here's Armageddon. This song is called All Over the World featuring Joe Hasselvander. <laughs> I'm gonna cut that off because I uploaded the <laughs> I uploaded the wrong song, and I don't want to go back and look for it now. tell you there?
4: Yeah, I hear you.
1: Yeah, it was supposed to be one of the new songs I like off that the cover. new <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I know, but,
4: yeah, but you didn't... I... Uh, only the people in the in the chat room knew you fucked up. You should have just played it.
1: I know, you're right. <laughs> it's a good
4: song. It's do. a good fucking. They no, they it do is. Good... they do uh good. Covers, yeah.
1: They do. I, I for some reason I must have mislabeled it when I uploaded it. Now to try and find it for all the songs <laughs> on today's show, it'll be a pain in the ass. Yeah. <laughs> we'll come oh, back to that one I'll later on. Yeah,
3: okay.
1: that's life. That, that's live radio. That's what happens yeah, when today, everybody up,
3: when else up. was
4: enjoying it too.
1: I know. <laughs> I'm like sorry. Gary. That's why. Right. That's why right. I wrote in the chat and said it sounds like old lion It sounds
4: familiar. <laughs> <laughs> for money. What are you going to do? I
1: think I have this. Hey, but before that, we had Takashi doing Kamikaze, a New York band. Uh, I heard, I mean, years ago, I reached out to the singer of the band, Danny Stanton. I don't think he's singing with them anymore, even though he still has his hand in the group, because they did a reunion show and they were supposed to keep playing, but I haven't heard anything about them. But Danny Stanton, who's 7th event, he's like a big shot in the music business today. I mean, he runs a company that, that manages a lot of bands, from Twisted Sister down to, I mean, I can't even name the amount of bands that are on this label, that, on this uh, company that he manages. So he's like a real bigwig in the, in the music business today. Mm. A lot of people on there. And uh, before, my, my mother had called me up, and she was like, you know, put on the Food oh. Network uh, Chopped, she goes, they're doing like some, uh, Chopped is like a show on the Food Network where like four chefs compete against one another. And they usually have, like, you know, yeah. like, local chefs in different areas, like, give them a little, like, you know, air time. Because they like, all these rock people that you're into, they think, cooking on there today. Uh, by the time I got on, oh. you know, got it on, it was, like, like the last two minutes. Or so, like, like a recap of it. And uh, Lita Ford was on there oh. cooking. Um, uh, oh. it was yeah, Dweezil Zappa was on there. My mother thinks anybody with long hair is a heavy metal person. But, you know, Dweezil Zappa was on yeah, there. Yeah, and I can't remember uh, who the other two the- people were. Because this is it was a quick clip, but I can't remember who it was. I want to say it was somebody okay. from uh, Night Ranger. I, I can't remember. I have to go look that up. But if you ever catch a show Chopped, uh check it out. There was a show on today. I don't know, it could have aired like a year ago for I like, know originally, but there were four people on Alita Fulvant was one of them. And she was like they were playing for charity, you know, and she was saying how she's doing it for yeah. charity for like people that will have their kids taken away from them by the ex-husbands because they're evil. I'm like, I never heard of that charity, but I guess this is a little shot. Oh, yeah, at yeah, husband yeah, <laughs> Jim Gillette from that show. <laughs> oh, Kelly! Oh, somebody did...
4: gave.
1: Her... Oh, wait, hang on a second. Eamon said it was Kelly Hansen. To... That Kelly Hansen was the other one on the show. I should have asked Iman because okay. he watches the Food Network all the time. Oh. Kelly. Kelly one, he one, says. One. Okay,
3: do, do you
1: know who the other person was uh, that was on there besides? I know it was Dweezil Zap, Belita Ford, Kelly Who's... Hansen, and there was one more person. I can't remember who the hell it was, because it was just a quick clip, and I didn't get to uh, see who it was.
4: I think it was Mark Mendoza. No, I'm only
1: kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, Kelly Hansen was in the band Hurricane back in the day. Now he's fronting Foreigner oh, okay. these days. Sure. No, he's with Foreigner, but he's he sang with yeah, Hurricane right. uh, back in the right 80s. In right,
4: right.
1: Yeah, now he is. Oh, I don't remember who the other person was. Oh, Cut a Kitchen. I didn't even get the name of the show right. <laughs> Eddie Money. No, nah, wasn't Money. Eddie Money on there. I would have recognized any money. <laughs> he looks like
4: been...
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> maybe it was any money. I don't even know he, if it is. He looks even worse than he did before. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, come on, any money? Really? Was that any money? I can't believe it. What? Well, I mean, you looked at some of these guys. That was another thing that I should have said, like, like, a don't use drugs, Ed. I mean, Dweezil Zappa is the only one that looked good. You know, everybody else looked like they've really yeah. been around the block a few times. You know. <laughs> I guess there's any money. I got to look it up. But if you catch it, it looked like a pretty fun episode. You know, Lita Ford, I mean, when I interviewed Lita Ford, that first like half hour interview was like really good. And then, like, it's just like, it was like the drugs mucks that kicked in or something. And she just went off on a tangent after that. I was like, holy shit, man. She's like going on another thing over here. She's like on another plane right now.
4: It was was Eddie Ojeda of Twisted Sister. That was close. I don't know. It says Eddie Ojeda.
1: Okay, maybe the that's the what it was. not The it.
4: popular food network competition show. A devote Devo- 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 their August eighteen episode. Lita Ford, Kelly Hansen, Eddie O'Jada, and Dweezil Zappa.
1: Okay, so you you field were, field. you were there. I couldn't no, recognize them. It
3: was close. <laughs> yeah,
1: I just like that recap and I understand. I I recognized Lita Ford and Dweezil Zappa. I didn't. I couldn't get the other two.
3: Yeah.
1: All right, so that's not too bad. That's yeah, that was probably, pretty cool.
4: It's probably on YouTube. So. Uh,
1: yeah, well, you know, it's a food network, they'll show it 75 times before Monday,
4: exactly, exactly. Yeah,
1: well, speaking of Lita Ford, I'm going to be interviewing Lita Ford in a couple of weeks. Uh, she's going to be at that uh food truck carnival in New Jersey, it's like a three day uh, metal festival where a lot of bands plan. There's going to be really? a carnival outside, but yeah, it's uh, I don't remember the name of the town, I'll talk oh. more about it. I got a ton of interviews coming up that are going to be on the show, like for bands that are going to be at the festival uh leader uh, yeah. Ford is gonna be playing uh slash is gonna be playing uh, uh there's so many bands I can't think of them all right now I was gonna talk about it next week but it's over three days anthrax is on the bill one night uh, and, uh
3: they I, it for?
1: yeah I know <laughs> uh, so there's a carnival outside
4: flesh <laughs> I
1: know but there's gonna be a carnival there's food trucks out there uh and then the concert is inside for three days A first the pussycat is on the bill. We were actually supposed to interview the singer of the band. Now they gave me the guitar player. So I was like, okay, I'm not even going to bother. I mean, you know, you, I mean, the singer's the only original guy in the band. What am I going to talk to the guitar player right. about? He's been in the band for four exactly. days. What am I going to talk about? What he did in the last four days in the band?
3: <laughs> <That> <laughs> What'd you do going. Monday in the band?
1: What'd you
0: do Tuesday
3: in the band?
1: You know, but I'm like, holy crap, Ola. But there's a lot of bands. That's it's going to be funny. a great time. I, I can only go to the uh, Saturday night one because I work Fridays. And Sunday we do the live show. Uh, Here, so I can't make it to the Sunday night show, Uh, but there's a lot of great things. So if you got nothing to do in New Jersey, it's not a big deal for three days. You can eat and drink your ass off in the parking lot at the food trucks, go on some rides, and they'll go bang out to a couple of great bands.
4: And the state troopers will follow you home. That's right,
1: right out there in the parking lot. (laughs) That's New Jersey for you.
4: Just (laughs) Just take the wife. If she don't drink, take the wife and let her do the driving
1: that's what I plan on doing also we're supposed to go uh, interview Exodus and uh, Andy from King Diamond at the Best Buy theater uh, but I can't make oh. the first night because I work it's a Friday night uh, but and that Saturday night I'm leaving for vacation the next morning so I don't know if I can make it uh, so I'm gonna see if I get them to the change it to Friday and I'll just you know make it work Friday night but I'll let you know I want to hear back from them because the Friday night show is already sold out uh, so uh, I don't want to go there just for the press interview and then have to leave and not see the show yeah, it's it's kind, of, kind of, kind of a waste. But I'll see. Uh, I'm working on that to see if we can make it happen, and then uh we'll figure back. You know, King Diamond three times in one year—that's a lot. Haven't seen the guy in ten years and over a decade. This will be the third time in a year. Yeah, we saw him last October. I saw him at the uh, the Mayhem Fest uh, last month, and now again, uh, doing the Abigail you know, record.
4: Doing Abigail.
1: Yeah, I mean, it wouldn't be bad to see that, but uh I don't know. Three times in a year is a lot. And, we'll have to see uh, what happens.
4: Exodus and Exodus is opening,
3: but it's not with.
1: Uh, oh, you're gonna get a Zetro on vocals. Uh, yeah, he's uh, over in uh, Europe with Slayer right now. So, uh, hang on a second. I think we got yeah. Josh. Uh, Josh on the line. Let me uh, connect him here. I gotta pay more attention okay. to what I'm doing. You know, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm fading over here. I'm fading fast. Yeah. Hey, Josh. Hey, Mike. Hey, how you doing, buddy? It's been a while.
5: Good, man. How are you?
1: Hey, I'm doing great, man. I I'm was glad to have you back on here today. I know you got a really busy a couple of weeks coming up over here, so uh, I'll try to make this as painless as possible on you.
5: Thanks, buddy, and I appreciate it. We're just finishing up rehearsal, actually.
1: Oh, nice. Hey, you're going to South America real soon.
5: Yeah. Yeah, we leave uh, Wednesday.
1: That's going to be great. The first time you going down there, right? Yep. Wow. You guys are going to blitz that place, man. Two weeks? You're playing like every night almost.
5: Yeah, we've got a night off in the middle, but it's uh, it's a pretty uh, solid run the whole time we're there. We start in Mexico and we end up in Buenos Aires and uh, Argentina and Uh in points in between.
1: That's going to be great. When you go to Argentina, if you have the time, look for Hugo's. It's a place that makes the most incredible meat dishes in the world. And it's like for $10, you get like a 49 ounce uh, porterhouse steak.
5: Nice. Hugo's in Argentina. We got to go. I'm actually with Billy, bass player William. We're we're driving
1: back. We're heading. Oh, uh, very good. Cool. Yeah. Well, well hey, look. So the last time we talked, you know, you kind of just were getting things back together again with the band. I know you're yep. working on some new songs. Uh, Jason was actually helping you out with drums. I don't know if he was actually a part of the band. Or he was just filling in at the time. Uh, so what's been going on since that time? I know you got somebody else coming on tour with you for the drums. Uh, is he is he a new member? Or is he just kind of helping out to get through the tour? Uh well,
5: you know. I guess I'll go back and I'll talk about what went on with Jay first. Um, you know, we're putting the record out. We've been working on it for a while. Uh, really, it's overdue at this point. Uh, we're, it's, we're not the first band to, to run into you know financial difficulties finishing up a project. We need a couple of bucks to get it done, and we're working on it. In fact, we've gotta, we're have got we going to try and finish it up as soon as we get back from this Latin American run, so we can you know hopefully get it out maybe even by the end of this year, but at the very latest, early next year, um, and Jason will actually be on that. Jason was officially in toxic for that year. Uh, went to Europe with him twice. Uh, he almost did the South America run with us, but it was just a conflict. He's out on the road with Blossom and he's, he's busy, you know, he's got a lot going yeah. on. Um, so, but he, you know, he wanted to do the run and we would have loved to have him go with us. I mean, we're, we were a very, very tight unit with Jason in the band. He's a phenomenal drummer and he's great. I mean, he was, he was awesome for, for toxic. Um, but we've got a, another guy now. We've got another uh, gentleman named James DiMaria Maria, and uh, Jim plays. Um, he was in Generation Kill, um, and uh, Marauder, and he's uh, he does. He's worked with some other people too. He sits in on the Whiplash gigs. He plays with Whiplash, um, and he's a badass. He's got thrash in his heart, you know. First and foremost, Toxic is a thrash band, and uh, you know. Jim really has that thing down. He's, he's very, very good, and he's, he looks good. He's just got great energy. Just, he rocks. Um, so, yeah, we're, we've been woodshedding really hard now for the last couple of months getting ready for the road. And I don't know. We'll see what happens when we come back. Again, most of the record is recorded with Jason already. So even if Jim comes back as a full-time member, more than likely, you know, if he pops up on a couple of tracks or somebody else pops up on a couple of tracks, that, that might happen but Jason will account for a majority of the, of the tracks right now. I think we have 12 tunes for the record. Um, you know, so, you know, expected to hear Jason Bittner on probably eight or eight of them at least I would say. And, uh, yeah, there you go. Like that.
1: Cool. Did you ever think of like maybe doing like one of those crowdfunding things with, you know, Kickstarter or, uh, GoFundMe to kind of help out with the finance. That seems to be the way a lot of bands are going today.
5: Well, that's the thing, right? You know, it's
2: it almost makes sense
5: to go independent now. That was the problem. Like, we've had a couple of offers. We could have we could have already had it done. We, we, no, no names mentioned, but we've had a couple of label offers. But what they offered you now versus, you know, what you're going to get is questionable. And does it make sense to tie up your music? You know, when you look at these contracts and they're, they're booking you out for five years, six years, or X amount of records, you're, you're really giving away a lot and not getting very much back. And it's not the label's fault. It's just that the industry has changed so much. They can only really offer you so much. So you're you're almost better off doing a Kickstarter or, you know, uh, a pledge or, or one of these other other programs uh, um, and let the fans help you put the money together and then just get a distribution deal and do it yourself. Because, I mean, we've got management. We've got booking. Um, we've got a publicist now. I mean, we've, we've pretty much got all of our own thing together. So that there's a good chance we may do some crowdfunding. It, it might really be the right way for us to go. And it's something we're looking into as we speak. I,
1: I think you should. I mean, it's, it's my pain, but to me, it, to me, it's like being like an online record store. You know, you donate sure. 10, 15, 20 dollars and you know, you'll get your copy of the right, and a couple of little bonus tracks, whatever. I mean, I think sure. it's the way to go today.
5: Yeah. You know, maybe some lessons. I, we've, we've got to actually, we're getting creative with what we're thinking about offering, you know, for, for the folks that pledge and, and make a donation. Um, also, talking about this last week, it sort of we stumbled on this, and this I think is kind of interesting and worth mentioning. You know, for a band like Toxic, because we have a foothold already, there's a certain we got a we've got nostalgia working for us. Um, we're a niche band, we're a cult band, and we've been around a long time, so we have a, a fan base. We've got new fans that we're adding. We've got people that have been with us for a long time. I think that we're potentially really uh, like a good candidate for one of those programs because of that. You know. If you were starting out cold, I mean, I know people do it and they hit their goals and they make them, you know, they get their money together all the time. But I think for toxic, actually, I think we might really benefit from that simply because, again, we have a track record and people are waiting. Um, you know, so for somebody like us, it might really, really work, you know. so.
1: Uh, I think so, without a doubt. I mean, you look at the history of the band. I mean, you might go back to the band, you know, since the beginning around '85. Uh, even Billy, when you re- when you put the band back together, Billy's been with the band since 2013. So you've got you know, you've got a solid core of the group right now, and that's got that's got to be important. You know, as far as writing music goes, you know, have that camaraderie where you kind of know each other and you know how you work together and how you play together.
5: Uh, well, you know what, Mike? Honestly, I would say, and you know, I've been very lucky. I mean, just me personally, the toxic. Uh, Bill and I were talking about this on the way into rehearsal today. Um, you know, I've been lucky with I've, I've Just had you know, one good player after another come into the band. People come and go. No hard feelings. I'm still on good terms with everyone that's ever played with the band. And I've had some really, really great people kind of come and go. Right now, just, you know, speaking selfishly like me, um, I have... Probably, you know, in Bill and Mike, I would say I have, you know, as solid a base as we've ever had as a, as a unit for the band. Toxic, right now, what we have is as good as it's ever been. Uh, that doesn't take anything away from what we were when we started out either, but uh, I, you know, sometimes it's like. Bands just to keep themselves going will get filler people and they'll dump people in the spots and, and I can see doing that you know we we were sort of faced with that for this South American tour we had to get somebody in there and you know we got really lucky with Jim it could have worked out a different way but as it turns out Jim's got a immersed personality he brings so much to the band and he's got great energy and he's a scene guy like he should be on this phone call he could talk for shit with you like you know technology. <laughs> he's totally into it um and he's per- again he's perfect for the band. Uh, So I don't feel like, you know, Toxic is like limping along and we're trying to keep the ball rolling so we can get out and just travel and do whatever. Like, we're legitimate. We're really a band. And in a way, I think we're better. And this is no way a diss to anybody ever. But I think there's something better about us now as a unit. And, uh, again, I feel really lucky, man, lucky that we've got the fans we do, lucky that I get to play with the people I do. And I think the new music is going to really kick some ass, even though it's taken time to come out. I think when it does think people will be uh, really happy that, it, that we did what
1: we did with it. Well, like you're saying, it's taking time to come out when you look at it. it really, it's only been a couple of years since you put the whole thing back together again. I mean, you know, yeah. getting the lineup intact and, you know, working on it and writing music. It's really not as long as, a, as a, of course, the fans want it now because think this was 1989. You know, so we definitely <laughs> yeah. want the new music. But, I mean, you did put the Inhumanity uh, tape out uh, about a year ago. So people kind of got like a little sample of like what's to come and what you guys sound like now.
5: Right, exactly, exactly. And we've even kind of broadened it a little bit since then. I think what will happen, because we did release a few songs, we talked about it a lot, again, especially Bill and I, um, in terms of the writing, of maybe like knocking out a new new tune or uh, another new tune in conjunction with the stuff that we had already set for Inhumanity, which now these songs are a couple of years old. Um, We haven't played them out. We haven't, you know, beat them out by going out and touring, you know, ad nauseum with them. When we go out and play, we're typically doing a lot of world circus and think this. So it's not like we really let the cat out of the bag with the new material yet. And when we were playing, excuse me, the new stuff, it was getting really, really positive response. People, you know, we'd slip tunes in between a couple of the classics and, there was no drop in, in volume from the audience. People were right there with us. They're singing along. They learned the choruses too late as example. Um, you can go on YouTube, people can jump on YouTube and listen to it too late and crooked crosses. Um, you know, they're they're already toxic songs. So yeah, it seems like people are ready to accept new stuff as well.
1: Yeah. You know what? You're never gonna make everybody happy, especially today. I think people want to shit on people just for the hell of it because they have nothing better to do with themselves because you're going to get people that are going to say, well, it doesn't sound like World Circus, it doesn't sound like Think This, it doesn't ah, sound like the Wasteland yeah. demo. Then you're going to get people saying, well, they don't sound like that or how come they sound like World Circus. You're not going to make anybody happy. People are going to want to hear you sound like you did in 89 and people are not going to want to hear you sound like you did in 89. You're never going to win. Exactly.
5: No matter what you yep. do, so yep. you do what you do. That's right. So you jump off stage and you beat the fuck out of those people and you just say <laughs> everybody else for life right now.
1: You got it. I mean, how could you possibly recreate what you did 25, 30 years ago? It's impossible. How can you sound like that with everything that's coming out of your life over these last two or three decades?
5: Exactly. No, you can't. You can't do that. You know, it's funny. I was on, uh, I I made a call. I did a call in the other day on NPR on a national public radio and they were doing a show on NWA. And, uh, um, this movie is out right now, out of Compton, right? there Compton. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. I was listening to these guys talk about it. And it was so funny because I'm old enough that I really remember, like, that whole scene as well. And, you know, it's yep. funny. Like, the, the the hip-hop scene back then and the metal scene were kind of intertwined. Like, especially in New York, you know, yes. about anthrax and foul and, and, you know. Like there was, there was a thing that was going on at that point where there was a crossover and I was listening to these guys talk about this, like in this sort of like abstract term and they were really like putting all this heavy weight on what NWA represented and what it was about. And I was like, you know, when I called in, I was like, it was just music. That was what was going on. But to your point, 25 years ago or 20, you know, it's, it was, it was hard for the time, but relative to, like, what's gone on in the world since then, it was nothing. And I really feel like Toxic's music has kind of done sort of the same sort of transition into this harder, heavier t- period of time that we sort of live in. Things are tough now. The world has gotten ugly. And, you know, there's, a, there's an innocence on the first two Toxic records that isn't really present on the new album. And, yeah, it's part age, but it's also just a function of, like, what we're all dealing with now in in the world. That's not to say that it's, you know, it's all doom and gloom. The sky isn't falling. It's still, you know, a great life and all that. But, yeah, things are a little bit more intense, a little bit heavier. And uh, I think the music in general, not just us, but everybody, I think the music reflects that. Music has gotten more intense. You know oh, absolutely,
1: I always thought that you guys were always relevant to kind of writing about you know what was taking place at the time that you know you were writing those songs. And you know, I, I look back now, like you said, if I think about what was going on in 85, 87, 89, and we thought like it was so bad back then, I look at what's going on now, I'm like, damn, that was like a party back then. I mean, you that stuff doesn't do even thing. seem relevant anymore. Like, you know, what we worried about back then just seems nonsensical compared to like shit you think about today.
5: Yep, exactly. Exactly. Which, from an artist standpoint, is, I hate to be selfish, but in a way, it's kind of cool because it gives us even more stuff to write about. It's like, you know, it's, the thicker things and the worse things are, the more art there is to reproduce. Because really, metal has that. I think we talked about this the last time we talked. Metal is a reflection of, of you know, of our, of the world. It's maybe a lot more than other sort of popular music, in a way. You know, metal has a, a sort of a, it's hand on a different pulse than does other forms of music it's much more raw it's much closer to the source and you know um yeah I, i'm glad i'm actually glad it's the genre that, that you know we're working in to be honest with you. it's good stuff
1: oh absolutely well you know josh the, the older records they came out on, on road race i believe back in the day or road Runner, mm-hmm. whatever the hell it was called i gotta change the name back then a, a real popular label for the underground bands you know they had a lot of great you know artists on that label when you yep. signed with them or they put out the records did you get everything you wanted out of them did you feel like this was like a good move because they're really going to distribute this album be behind us did you get what you wanted out of signing that contract
5: uh well you know like sour grapes you know and and hindsight being 2020 Roadrunner was a good label for us. Monty Connor is a, a, a legend in the industry at this point. Monty was instrumental in us being signed. Holly Lane, um, it, 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 like everything in life, there's good and there's bad. Did we get everything out of Road Racer we would have liked to, Roadrunner? No. Um, did we get maybe a lot farther than other bands did that had maybe come from the same sort of place that we did, yeah, we were lucky that we signed with them when we did. Um, they actually put this out on MCA. They had a, a cooperative distribution thing going on in the U.S., specifically with MCA, which at the time was, you know meant that your record was going to be in the Kmart in Georgia, whereas anybody who was signing to a smaller indie uh, wasn't going to have that sort of exposure. So we were lucky. You know, Metal Blade, Megaforce, Roadrunner, you wanted to be on one of those three, really. And then there was a whole bunch of other ones that didn't have that level of distribution. So, you know, in a less than perfect world, yeah, we got a lot out of it. In the end result, you know, I feel like, to be honest, I think that a lot of the reason that Tox sort of disbanded when it did was because we didn't have tour support. We didn't have video support. Like, they didn't give us money that I feel they should have given us just simply from a commercial standpoint. Like, I think the label could have made money with us if they had looked at us the right way, but they didn't really know how to market us. We had a progressive edge to us. We weren't straight up, you know, pretty New York scene, hardcore guys, but yet we had a fresh component. And they just we were just kind of like, I don't think they really could figure us out. And having said that, you know, the the fact that you and I are on the phone having this conversation and we put out that last record 25 years ago and we're still relevant now, I mean, you know, I I have no illusion about the popularity of the band, but I know that we do have a cult following. We are, people know who Toxic is. Um, I think if Roadrunner would have had a little foresight, you know, a little vision, they probably could have done more with us. But hey man, Spilt Milk, it is what it is, so... It ain't all bad. We were having a conversation.
1: Not yeah. at all. I think if Roe Renner knew that you were part of photogenics back in the day, that would have never took place.
5: See, if they had known about the photogenics, <laughs> they, would have, they would have put the money where their, where their indecision was, and everybody would have been out
1: uh, you know, when you look back at it now, it's all good You know, but before you called in and had Tino Treiff and Pray Mantis on, he sort of had The same story about, you know, why the band broke up I mean, you know, management, the promotion Not getting the money for touring I mean, you know, today, like you said, I mean, even when your band First starts out, it's always a do-it-yourself Effort from the very beginning But then yep. you do look for that support as you grow Because that's the only way you can branch out At least back then when, you know, record companies were king And, and you had that kind of support system Which we really don't have today, so it does fall more on the band today than it did back then. But how it's got to be disheartening. Like, you know, when you say, you know, we just can't go on anymore because we just don't have the help there. You know, we ha- we can write the music, we can play, we can perform. We've got everything on our end, but we just can't do no more without help on the outside. And you now we got to call it quits. Now that's got to kill you.
5: Yeah, no, it was not happy. It wasn't a, a happy time. Um and, you know, life, right? Life does that. It, has, it throws your curveballs. That's the work. That's, the nature of things. um you move on i think that we were at the age that we were you know everybody in the band at that point was in their mid-20s and we'd been doing it for six seven years whatever it was at that point and um you know it was it was disheartening it was sad but the music scene was changing too right you know like the whole grunge thing was coming in i mean we've all heard that you know that's old chestnut you know nirvana yeah. killed metal There's some truth to that. I mean, you know, that took a lot of the air out of the sales too. I mean, suddenly labels were like, okay, what do we do? You know, use your illusion and nevermind are selling more than anything else in the summer of 91. You know, where does a band like toxic fit in in American marketing in that climate? And, you know, uh, I don't even think we saw an avenue for ourselves. And that's another one, you know, if I'd have known just personally, if I'd have known what was going on for us in other parts of the world, I might have held on a little harder, but I didn't really see much of a future for us either. And I think that's what happens. You get hung up on what's going on. You you start to believe, you know, that the negativity that the label is feeding you, you don't have anybody to offset that. There was no internet. We didn't have a huge network of fans that were bombing us with mail. So the label's like, look, there's no future for you. You start to go, well, geez, maybe there's no future for us, you know? So they almost yeah. like talked us out of it too. So. I don't know. It was the way that whole thing went down. It was at the time was a plumber, but again, it's, it was then now it's, it's a different scene. The music scene now is definitely more, uh, uh, fan driven. Uh, there's not, it's not about the money. If you're doing this now, you're doing it because you love to do it. and, there's a purity that comes from that. You know, people getting out here and doing it, the people coming and seeing it, the people that are doing it, we're all on the same page for it, especially in Europe. I can't wait to get to Latin America. I know it's going to be sick down there because they're into it, you know. So, oh, yeah. You know, that's what you're doing it for. You're doing it for that that feedback loop that you create with each other, you know, the, the artist and the audience. um and in a way that there's, there's something more pure about that. The money isn't in the way. The label doesn't does none of that shit matters. You're down there doing it for the right reason. And that's kinda of cool too. So right, there's a positive I don't mean to pick up a fucking cent on you, but if you know if I there's a positive in that, right? Uh, it's not all bad.
1: Oh no! Absolutely. I mean, listen. Being—I mean—I go back in the scene as long as you. I, I've been there from when I was a kid, listening to Kiss and, and watching it, you know, evolve and develop into the harder and heavier stuff. I've always been a part of it. And back in the '80s, as big as metal was, I mean, you had people that were there just because it was popular. They didn't even know who the bands were. They didn't care about it. They just wanted to be part of the scene because it was hot and happened at the time. You had the die-hard fans that lived and breathed it. And I think now, when I when I go to a show now, what I see is I'll see guys all ages that are there. They've got kids at home. They've got jobs. They got to get up for work the next day, but they're sure. there because it's out of pure love of the music and seeing the bands that they didn't get to see. Cause maybe they didn't come to the town back then playing now it's out of pure love now. And that's, you know, what I love when I go there, these people are there because they want to be there for the music. They're not there because it's hot, you know, it's happening to be the show. They're there for right. the bands, for the music only. And that's what I think it's well, great today.
5: You know, we, I've seen, I've met families at toxic shows, right? You know, dad and mom are there and Dad was a big Toxic fan, and he's got his teenage sons or his teenage sons and da- or daughters, and they're, the, they're like, all there together, like, enjoying it. In fact, I went to a show um, in New York last year. Uh, I went to see Alan Holdsworth, who's, like, a fusion guitar player. Your guitar player, yeah. your audience will know what I'm talking about, obviously. Um, I went to see Holdsworth, and there was so... I there was someone in the audience whose son was there, and he's a famous guy. And it's this is his stepson. He's a famous drummer from a very, very big, like rock band from the 70s and 80s. And his kid is there, and I'm standing, uh, you know, sort of off to the side, and I'm not sure how I got involved in the conversation. But Toxic comes up, and the kid, who's like 21 years old, he's like Toxic. He's like the Green Album. I'm like, yeah. We're oh, like, I know this stuff. that. Oh, these guys rock. These guys are crazy punk guys, and Dad is like, okay, man. So sit down. You know. So now, it, it, you know, it's great. It actually is a very cool time playing this music. I got to say. Uh,
1: I love the Green Album. I mean, the Beatles had the White Album. Metallica's got the Black Album. The Tox has got the Green Album. Got
5: the Green Album. That's right. Man. Well, talking green about album. the
1: Green Album, you're actually going to do the whole album uh, on the South American yeah. run, right?
5: Yeah, yeah, we're playing playing World Circus in its entirety for the first time. A couple of the wow. dudes on there have, uh, I don't think we ever played out Pain and Misery. We, I was talking to Chad the other day about this, and he, he couldn't remember either. He's like, maybe a couple of, you know, local shows, we might have played it once or twice, but like in terms of being out on the road and playing it, never played it. So Pain and Misery, that'll be a first for that. We're playing uh, Count Your Blessings. That hasn't been played in 25 years. So, yeah, it's pretty cool.
1: You know, Pain and Misery is one of my favorite songs on the record. Now that you say it, it's amazing that you guys never played that live, even back in the day.
5: A lot of people say that. Pain and Misery is a popular tune. That's interesting to hear you say that. I think for us, maybe because it was our shot at being commercial. Like, World Circus doesn't have a hit on it anywhere. Like, there's no... You can tell that there wasn't any thought at all towards, like, Radio Airplay or anything else. That record is just purely raw, young, just straight up energy overdose music um, except for pain and misery pain and misery was like the one song it was like this might because of the way it sort of grooves this could potentially have some sort of radio and i remember tom morris you know of the famed morris sound studios saying that if there's a hit on this record if there's a radio song on this record that's it and at that time having a radio song on your record kind of still mattered um and uh so Maybe that's why. Maybe I think we didn't like it because we maybe felt that we were taking a stab at being commercial on that song. In hindsight, it wasn't commercial at all. It never had a shot in hell for radio. No. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was all in our heads. Everybody was deluded. It was never radio material. And it's full live. We play it well. It's fun to play.
1: Oh man. Well, I, I know you're doing the whole record. Right, that's about 40 minutes. Are you mixing anything else in with it, or, or that, are you just doing the record from start to finish, nothing yeah. else?
5: Yeah. Yeah, I think I can tell Talk about the set list. Um, we're gonna do. We're gonna open up with "Spontaneous" uh, from Think This, and then we go. Uh, we break up the album. Um, we do the first half with a sort of break in between uh, three three songs. In we take a, a minute, talk a little bit give people. A, here's a break. Um, go into the next three tunes. Then we have like a little intermission. We're gonna do a cover song, and we're gonna play "Greed" from Think This as well. We got a couple of very cool covers for this set. Um, so yeah, have and then a cover, then we go back and we start back up with the second half of the album. We go through the second half and then we've got one new tune, uh, another couple of songs from Think This uh, and then another cover. And it all did today. I think it ended up being about an hour and a half, give or take, you know, total. Cool.
1: I mean, the fans of South America are crazy. I mean, they live for this music. They show up in force. Are you thinking about, is it financially possible to maybe videotape or even record some of it for something like, you know, using the future?
5: Uh, Yeah, no, I think there's a really good chance. And, and, you know, we got some recordings from our European runs last year, too. Uh, I think there's a very good chance there'll be some video and some audio from this run.
1: That's going to be great, uh, Josh. I'm not going to keep you much longer. I know you drive. You just had a big long rehearsal. I want to get on a couple of yeah. tunes to play. You, you got? You have anything coming good. up? And you have anything coming up? You know where we are here in New York soon.
5: You know, uh, we're talking about maybe doing a Halloween show with Whiplash. Right? There's some talk about us putting a, a show together with Whiplash for Halloween, um, which will be cool if that if that happens. Uh, and there's other talk too, but nothing that I really want to mention at this point. But you know, talk about us. We might be heading out west. We might finally get to get out on the west coast a little bit and oh, you know, nice. we'll do some banging around. And again, right now the focus is on getting the record out, getting the new album out once and for all and then, you know, supporting it, you know, getting out and playing a lot for the next year behind that and getting to work on the record that comes after that, you know, getting to work on number four.
1: Eh, I can't wait. Hey Josh, when the record comes out you come back on, we'll play it, we'll promote it, maybe have the whole band come on, we'll make a whole show out of it.
5: That would be awesome, Mike. Thank you so much,
1: man. You got to listen. Have a great time down in South America. Don't drink the yeah. water. Otherwise, the tour is going to end pretty quick.
5: Don't don't drink, don't drink the water and and you know, keep your legs crossed and your head down. No, I know. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. All right, man. <laughs> have a great
1: time, man. I'll talk to you soon.
5: Thanks, Mike.
1: Take care. All right, let's get on some uh, Toxic because, hey, that's what it's all about here today. We'll do that. We'll get on a couple more tunes. Me and Tommy, get back to the bullshitting. And then, you know what? The show will be over. All right, let me see what I can dig up for everybody right now. Maybe I'll do something off the inhuman. You know what? Let's go off the record. Then we'll go to Inhumanity demo. And we'll get on a tape off of it. Here's black and white. Semi-relatively new, toxic. They came out of the Humanity demo from last year. If this is the path the band is going, it's going to be amazing. Mike Sanders' voice sounds great. So that guy has not lost anything since the 80s, and Josh is a beast on guitar. T.
4: Amazing,
1: yeah. Yeah, good stuff. We're down to the last few minutes of the show.
4: I see that. I see that. What's a little I beeps know. every now and then? What happened? Do you hear them on your end? Are you hearing a little beeps on your end?
1: Yeah, that's the ice cream truck outside the house.
4: No, 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 no. no. It's not <laughs> I don't hear da, any. Da, 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 <laughs> I don't hear any
1: beeps on my end. <laughs> All
4: right, maybe it's the phones.
1: Next week, I'm going to send you, phone. I'm going to email you the, the link next week. If you have a USB headset, use the link to connect. It's a lot better. Okay. I'll send it to you. You can try it out. I think they're trying to force people off the phones. Here so They don't have to pay the phone bill. Well, to,
4: but, well maybe, yeah.
1: Yeah. Oh, we, we, we gotta get, yeah, we we got to get we got to get you in now because with football be, being in preseason, I doubt we're gonna see much of you till probably middle of March. So well, we got to get you in thing now.
4: Is the Giants play the Giants play a one most of the time. So
1: well, that's still good things the good thing is that they play, play one because then they usually lose by three, so that makes it pretty good because you're ready for six o'clock then.
4: Yeah, they don't lose. They don't lose.
1: <laughs> okay, <laughs> okay, if you say so. I didn't see the Super Bowl ring on the finger last year. All right, you're right,
4: you're right.
1: We'll see what happens. Hey, look, you got to have faith, right? That's what it's all about.
4: We try, we try,
1: you know. Plus, at least least they're not knocking out their quarterback, the Giants, and that's a good thing. There you go. They're not cold cocking their quarterback, so.
4: They're just chopping their fingers off, that's all. I know, how stupid, can you be.
1: Fuck I, I watch that like how dumb can uh, you be uh, you use your hands know, to make a living man. and a good living <laughs> yeah. you really got to play with a firecracker <laughs> pay some kid to do it for I you know. oh man exactly. you know,
4: he's gotta have some cousin <laughs> of his who's fucking unemployed throw the kid three hundred dollars <laughs> and say you're Hold in charge in the- of the fucking what do you call it <laughs>
1: <laughs> the fireworks. <laughs> exactly it's
4: $500 you're the fireworks guy I'm gonna fucking hang out in the back you know
1: oh man I tell you, you know Josh That's was talking about uh the, the NWA uh, the rap band from the 80s and I always say in the right, show right. you know like, back in the late 70s early 80s rap and metal was so similar I mean different musical styles and everything but it was both on yeah, the ground it was, both from, it was both from the streets and you know, and they're almost
3: the same, yeah,
1: exactly. And you know, I loved uh, NWA back in the days, like a Public Enemy. I thought they were like the East Coast, West Coast versions of each other. And I wanted to go see straight out of Compton yesterday with my wife, uh, because I'm such a big yeah. fan of them. I was just gonna go do it a week by myself. was like, nah, I'll go see it with you. So we went yesterday. We were the only white people in the movie theater. So I know exactly what it oh must have felt like for a cop to be walking down Crenshaw Boulevard in the 80s. Because I know exactly yeah. how it feels like. I felt like the master on a plantation yesterday. We couldn't wait to get out of there.
4: Oh, you're so bad. You're so good. <laughs>
1: Oh, uh, boy. But you know, It was all uh, up middle class people, so they weren't working people. They didn't grow up in that era or that decade. So, but it was a great movie. Sure they did a great some, job in the movie.
4: You sure got some corks and some matches and then uh, a.
1: <laughs> oh, went the there clocks, like You know? <laughs> oh, who the hell yeah. was that? Uh, Al Jolson. Al Jolson. <laughs> yeah,
4: yeah. i put nah. real makeup. Yeah. <laughs> I remember years ago when we used to dress up like Kiss Carl fell out of place, so Carl used to Call bought the Creole makeup.
3: Yeah. And
4: he used to do his he used to do his face. You don't remember Frank Carl. Yep. He used to do his face in Creole with the you know, with, with red and he would borrow red li- you know, the red lipstick, yeah. whoever had red lipstick. And he he looked funny, man.
1: Hey look, he a was black ugly guy played,
4: and white.
1: A a black guy played as freely in the kiss movie, so if he could do it anybody could do it.
4: Well, that's right. That's
1: right. Yeah. <laughs> and Kiss Me is the Phantom of the a book. There was a black guy that's playing right, Ace in a, a lot of these things, the fight scenes, because he never showed up for the center. He was still hired drunk. Too funny. Yeah. Well, if you do get a chance yep, to see the movie, right, go check right, it out. It's, it's a great movie. They did a really good, a lot of it, you know, there's a little stuff in there that had to, like, kind of fictionalize a little bit, like, to make a move along, you know, that didn't happen the way it did, but yeah. a, a great movie nonetheless. And, uh, yeah, I tell you, Ice Cube Kid plays him in the movie. It's so, when you look at him, it's like, because it looks just like yeah, a he looks just like yeah, him. Especially shit. when they do him up with a little bit of makeup and the hair, like, wow. Yeah, really good movie. Yeah. All right, let's wrap it up here. We're down to the last three minutes. I want to thank my guest tonight, Tino Troy from Praying Mantis. I want to thank Josh Christian from Toxic. T, glad to have you back again. Let's not make this a habit. Come back every week so we can have fun.
4: I'll do my best. I'll do my best. I'm All waiting right. for the Stillborn movie.
1: Straight out of Kingsway. Straight
4: out of Kingsway. <laughs> that, that'll be happening
1: soon.
3: We're working on it. We're working on it.
1: We're we're in, we're in script right now. <laughs> All right. Good Get out, everybody. Right, I will bro. talk to you next week. Take care. Here's Vendetta with Never Die. Right. I'll see you Thursday on the Metal Matinee. It's Unchained Angels. Take care, everybody. See you later, T. All
4: right, bro. Take care.
1: Good night, boys.